Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Informed Catholic Podcast. My name is Ned Jabbar, your host. So let's begin with a prayer. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Defender of the Church, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The reading for this podcast will be from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Starting from chapter 1, we're going to go from verse 16 all the way down to verse 32. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith. For faith, as it is written, he through faith is righteous shall live. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in all things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, or birds, or animals, or reptiles. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a base mind and to improper conduct. 
They were filled with all manner of wickedness and evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but approve those who practice them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I wanted to read that passage because, well, the Amazonian Synod just ended. And I really feel that we have leadership in the churches now that don't believe that the church was divinely established. Yes, it is human. We've talked about it before. And it's ruled and run by weak mortal men. But they're treating the church like a corporation. And sadly... They don't really believe. They don't believe that our Lord is God. They may believe something about him is divine, but they don't really believe. Um, the document of the Amazonian Synod, it's very interesting. I was listening to a podcast with Dr. Taylor Marshall and uh, John Henry Weston from the Life site news, and it was interesting that <clears throat> the Spanish version and the English version of that came out of the Amazonian Synod, the final document, was not all the same. Even the German version did not have everything. I mean, had everything. I'm sorry, excuse me. It had everything. But a lot was excluded from the English version because there was a lot from the Americans that would push back. It turns out the Spanish version actually had something about deaconesses, married priests, um, uh, giving a lot of access to sacramental um, practices that the deaconesses will be, um, I mean, they will, they would basically be just right there, one step closer to becoming priests. And that's exactly what they wanted. The Germans are pushing for a lot, it seems. The German bishops really have a lot invested. They're the richest diocese in all of Europe. They got a lot of money and they're very close with the European Union and they're very close with the United Nations. So there's a lot going on. The Spanish and the German version, and I'm sure quite, I'm sure other languages as well, but the English had a lot of editing. There was a lot of editing in the English version. And it's very troublesome. They're, they're really looking to change the entire face. They want to give the, sh the church a complete facelift. They want to give the Catholic Church a complete face. And the idea is to make the church a branch or at service to the European Union 
and United Nations. They're looking to do that. It's very, very troublesome. Um, and there's a lot. There's a lot going on. I mean, there's some American bishops that definitely want this. The, um, Bishop Malcroy, I believe his name is, from, um, I think, in California. He's a definitely um, does not see the priesthood as sacred. Um, there's a lot of other bishops, I'm sure, that want this. A lot of cardinals, they want this. Uh, I'm sorry, he, I believe he's Cardinal McElroy. And he really doesn't like conservative Catholics. I'm going to read something from uh, Church Militant. So here we have it um, from Church Militant. Bishop Robert McElroy backs up women deacons. Yes, he is a bishop. Um, by Stephanie Wayne, uh, Wayne, Church Militant, October 29th, 2019. Leftist California Paralyte suggests it would be good to do. San Diego, churchmilitant.com. San Diego Bishop Robert McElroy has announced his backing for women deacons an apparent first for a U.S. paralyte since Pope Francis launched a commission to study the question of creating a female diaconate in 2016. As the Amazonian Synod drew to a close on Sunday, McElroy told the National Catholic Reporter that he hopes the commission will eventually reach a conclusion that it is not prohibited to ordain women to the diaconate. I'm in favor of it, he said. My view on it is that women should be invited into every ministry or activity we have that's not doctrinally precluded. I've talked with a couple of bishops I know who are very careful on this on these questions, but have done some research on on it, who believe it is not precluded. He added, "I think if it's not precluded, it would be good to do." On Saturday. Pope Francis announced that in response to the recommendation of the Synod's final document, he will re uh, recoven his commission on women and deacons for further study. Reflecting on the Pope's pledge, McElroy told Catholic News Service that signals to me there is new life to the proposal. Among Synod fathers, there was tremendous... Uh, Visceral support for the work. Women are doing it in the Amazon, the bishop observed, suggesting that why, that's why the support was so strong on the diagonal question. My hope would be that they would find a pathway to make that a reality, said McElroy. I think there's a good possibility that the direction is going to head into. The Pope added his comments yesterday. The fact that he did that makes me think that there's a good chance that the women, that some positive action will come out that, of that. McElroy noted that in their decision discussion, I'm sorry, the bishops did not confine the possibility of women deacons to the Amazon. I think the role of women and the question of the diaconate is an important one to follow up on, he said, suggesting he could imagine them in, in San Diego. Along with Boston Cardinal Sa uh, Sean O'Malley, McElroy was one of uh, just two U.S. church representatives handpicked by Pope Francis to attend the Synod. While in Rome, investigative journalist George Newmar encountered McElroy enjoying a night on the town with O'Malley and Newark Cardinal Joseph Tobin, challenging Tobin's recent assertion that the church must rethink human sexuality. 
Newmar was met with nervous laughter from the New Jersey parrot. Meanwhile, as O'Malley tried to deflect Newmar's question, McElroy responded by walking ahead down in silence. Walking head down in silence. <sighs> A leading church liberal, McElroy has made headlines in recent years with his attempt to chart a new liberal course for his diocese. In August 2018, Vatican whistleblower Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, former papal nuncio to the United States, claimed that McElroy was especially chosen to orchestrate the homosexual infiltration of San Diego diocese. According to Vigano, McElroy's appointment came at the order of Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Perlone, who, along with Pope Francis and several of his advisors, covered up for Cardinal Theodore McCarrick's history as a serial sexual predator. The appointment of McElroy in San Diego was also orchestrated from above. Vigano wrote with an, an encrypted preemptory order to me as nuncio by Cardinal Perlone, reserve the see of San Diego for McElroy. <laughs> Once in power, McElroy promoted and protected the growing gay network in his own diocese and beyond. Amongst, um, in August 2016, renowned clerical sex abuse investigator Richard Sipp informed McElroy that McCarrick has been sexually abusing young men and minors for decades, the bishop said, and did nothing in response to Sipp's warning. All right. This... Boy, um, it really is sad. It's sad. They're really treating the church as a business. I mean, you wonder, do they really believe? And by their actions, I don't think they believe. I think they see it as a human institution. And there's nothing sacred about it. Because a modernist is basically um, a relativist. It, everything can change. Nothing is sacred. And it's just power. They, they, they really, I don't think they respect the people. I don't think they, they respect us. I think they believe that they can tell us anything and we will follow them. They see it as a psychological power that because they hold a sacred position that it's all theirs and they can do whatever they want with it. And that we will jump at the snap of their fingers I don't believe these men, I think they're devoid of supernatural faith. I really do believe that. It's sad, it's sickening, it's disgusting. This is another article uh, from Church Militant, October 29th, 2019. Deserting Christ. It's a commentary. Uh, it's by Christine Niles of Church Militant. In the communion wars, McCarrick and World sided with pro-abortion politicians. In the war of words over Holy Communion, few have been more vocal on both sides of the fence than Colonel Raymond Burke and Colonel Donald World, who have slugged it out in the public square. Colonel Burke, known for constant, consistently, excuse me, consistently coming to the defense of our Lord stands in sharp contrast to Cardinal Whirl and his disgraced predecessor, Theodore McCarrick, whose concern 
for the slightest communicant seems to eclipse any care for our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Misreading Canon Law 915 In 2004, debate flared up among the U.S. bishops over the question after Senator John Kerry, a Catholic and longtime advocate of abortion, announced his bid for the presidency. The question was if political I'm sorry, if politicians like Kerry should be denied Holy Communion as mandated by Canon nine fifteen of the Catholic Code of Canon Law. A number of bishops, including Cardinal Wuerl, said, while Cardinal Burke argued forcefully for the application of Canon 915 in commentary, in America Magazine, Burke laid it out plainly. It is a sacrilege to receive the sacrament when one is not in state of grace, one who publicly condones and promotes objectively grave sin, also lacks the proper disposition for the worthy reception of Holy Communion. For the Catholic politician to receive communion when he or she has publicly violated the moral law in grave matter like procured abortion risk, leading others into thinking that they can accept procured abortion with a right conscience. In such a case, if the Catholic politician does not recognize the lack of the proper disposition to receive communion, then the church herself must refuse the sacrament in order to safeguard the worthy reception of the sacrament and prevent a serious scandal among the faithful. He went on to lament the, gen the general failure in the church to teach effectively the truth about the Holy Eucharist and what is required to approach the sacrament worthily. The matter was put to a vote at the annual U.S. bishops' meeting in, in June 2004, just a few months before the election, the result, the majority of contrary, I'm sorry, con majority contrary to the clear language of Canon 915, voted to leave the question to the dis discretion of each bishop in his own diocese. A small minority, including Colonel Burke and a handful of others have voted for universal application of Canon 915. Communion must be denied to any and all public figures who support grave sin. Hiding the evidence. Burke's position was supported by then Colonel Joseph Ratzinger, prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, who had written a memo to Washington, D.C.'s Colonel Theodore McCarrick, head of the USCCB Task Force Committee, making clear Canon 915's language referred to mandatory, not optional, denial of Holy, Holy Communion to public impotence. But the fact was only found out after the vote. That means McCarrick hid it. He kept it. He decided not to make it publicly known to his fellow bishops. Wow. The letter meant to guide the American bishops in their decision had in fact been suppressed by McCarrick as well as the USCCB president, Wilton Gregory. Now the Archbishop of Washington, D.C., that's the Immaculate Conception Basilica, uh, that's done in Byzantine style in uh, the capital. It's a very beautiful. Um, I think uh, Donald Wuerl was uh, was in charge of it. 
who kept its contents to themselves. Gregory, now Archbishop Washington, D.C., and others kept the contents to themselves. In fact, McCarrick mischaracterized the memo in his interim report to the bishop, summarizing Cardinal Ratzinger's words to mean the opposite of what they actually said. It was only after the Italian weekly El Espresso published the the confidential Vatican memo that the bishops, to their surprise, learned of its actual contents. McCarrick was caught in his deceit. Man is a devil. I'm serious. The man is a devil. American media criticized the Cardinal for his description and Vatican, uh, uh, Vatican Sandro uh, Magister, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that name, said McCarrick's report represented a clear divergence from the Ratzinger memo. Cardinal Burke also expressed dismay. The memo certainly was not made known to me, and I do not believe it was given to the other bishops. Cardinal McCarrick referred to the memorandum. We were told that according to the Cardinal Ratzinger, the application of the Canon 950 was up to the prudent judgment of each bishop. The text of the memorandum would have been very helpful at the meeting in Denver. Knowing now about the memo, I am disappointed. It was not given to us at the meeting of the bishop's conference. Oh, wow. Several years later, in 2007, a year before he he'd appointed prefect of the Apostolic Signatura, Colonel Burke, public, Colonel Burke published a paper criticizing the June 2004 vote and what he deemed was widespread confusion among the bishops. On the question of, of Canon 915 among the prelates, Singled out for criticism was the then Archbishop Donald Wuerl, whom Burke charged with failing to understand church law. I don't think he failed. I think he understands church law perfectly. I think just as McCarrick understands church law uh, perfectly, and just as McElroy understands church law perfectly, I don't think they fail to understand it. I think they just don't have the faith or the obedience of faith. They like the power. I don't think any of these men believe. I think it's a lack of supernatural faith, all of them, including um, um, Walton Gregory. I think uh, Archbishop Walton Gregory is the same thing. I don't think any of them fully, uh, I don't think they, they misunderstand. I think they understand it perfectly. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, going on from there, um, stung by the critique, World con- continued in his steadfast refusal to apply Canon 915, insisting two years later to the scandal of the faithful that he wouldn't withhold Holy Communion from speak from the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, a Catholic and a notorious public advocate of abortion. Justifying his stance, World al- alluded to the June 2004 vote of the U.S. bishops saying, I understand with great ma- the, the great majority of the American bishops and, and the bishops around the world in saying this canon was never intended to be used this way. Oh, see how they, they always twist the words around because they don't, wanna, they, don't, they don't want to fully apply it as it really meant to be. According to, to him, historically, the church just doesn't use communion as a weapon. It's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. 
It's the body, blood, soul, divinity of Jesus Christ. It's not meant to be as a weapon. It's meant to be protected. They don't believe in the real presence. That's their problem. An argument expressly rejected by Cardinal Ratzinger in his 2004 memo to the bishops. This decision, properly speaking, is not a sanction or a penalty, nor is the minister of the Holy Communion passing judgment on the person's subjective guilt, but rather is reacting to the person's public unworthiness to receive Holy Communion due an objective situation of sin. Politicians like um, Kerry, politicians like Biden and Pelosi, who are Catholic, and people like uh, Cuomo and any other politician, uh, they need to be seen to be taken Holy Communion because they want to get the Catholic vote, especially the liberal Catholics, the hipster Catholic who really doesn't believe anything is sacred. It's just spiritual. And they don't really believe in the real presence. The reality of what Holy Communion is, is beyond their grasp of understanding. It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith on the bishop's side. If you're a bishop and you are ordained, you're ordained, you're consecrated, your hands are consecrated to say communion, to to be a vessel to the Holy Spirit, to the to the very person, deity of Christ, to turn to turn to say the words, the holy sacred words, this is my body, this is my blood. You have to really believe that if you're not worthy and if you are giving his body and blood out, I mean, you're giving it out to to unworthy people, people who, who have lack of faith. And I think that's the problem. It's the image. They love the image and they want the TV cameras. They want the newspapers. They want the internet to show that they're Catholic. It's amazing. It's really sad and true. They don't, I don't, they just don't believe. Uh, going on from here. Uh, nor is the minute. Okay. We, we read this part here. Colonel Burke noted that it was not the minister wielding communion as a weapon, but rather the pro-abortion politician using the Eucharist as a political tool. There you go. I said it earlier in their abstinent refusal to respect the sacrament. Okay. Get ready. This is a, this is going to be an interesting uh, part here. Les the lesbian Buddhist. In March 2012, World took his position even further. He punished a priest for his attempt to defend the Eucharist. Father Marcel Garanzo, uh, sorry, Garanzo, longtime visiting priest in D.C., learned just before a funeral mass that a practicing lesbian Buddhist was in attendance. When she came up to receive, to receive, he quietly withheld communion from her, after which she promptly switched lines and received from the extraordinary minister. You see, that's the problem with Eucharistic ministers. Eucharist, Eucharist ministers are, they're not priests, and a lay person should not be assisting. Because you don't know what's being done. You don't know that if you could be passing communion to someone who is un, who should not be receiving communion. 
And this is the problem why, this is re- one of the reasons why they, they a lot of priests and some conservatives are saying that there shouldn't be female altar girls the, uh, because the idea of the priesthood is supposed to inspire young men. And also there shouldn't be women because if you see most of the ones who are helping passing out communion and they're, they're nice people. I know they want to have their hearts in the right place. But they don't understand that the psychology of it and also their understanding of giving out communion is wrong. You know, if they're giving out to someone who is who's an unworthy manner and it's not meant to embarrass the person, but it's meant to, you know, to you're protecting the body, blood and soul divinity of Christ, giving to someone who doesn't fully comprehend the reality of what communion is. And that's why a lot of a lot of people are saying that when you put women, middle-aged women or older women at the altar, you are promoting the revolution against the male priesthood. And when you have altar girls, you're doing that. And also the 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 person who's who's doing this, even though they're in the right place, and they don't they don't mean I don't believe any of them really mean any well anything wrong. You don't know who you don't know what you could be doing. The priest has a responsibility. If by allowing people, ordinary lay people to do this, you're also putting serious judgment on their souls. You're putting serious judgment. You're, you're, you're subjugating them to possible, even though it's not meant to be, but I do believe it's wrong. I did it. I one time, my priest who baptized me, Father. Uh, Richard Takera asked me to help him with Holy Communion. And I did. I helped him. I enjoyed it. I liked the effect of attending it, but I didn't realize now. If I've known now, what I know now, if I could have known it back then, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. Even if you know, if they ask me now, I wouldn't do it. I don't want to give communion to somebody and possibly doing harm to that person. If the person is in rebellion against the church or in a mortal, uh, well known that the individual is in a, in a state of sin, I don't want it be, I don't want that on my soul. And I wouldn't want it on anyone else's soul. The priest is the one who is ordained and it is their job. And it's, it's not humiliating the person, but the individual has to understand the sacredness of it. That's why all the visions of many of the saints who talked about that great blasphemies will be committed. And these men who are part of the revolution of Vatican II are hurting a lot of souls. Not to mention they're condemning themselves. St. Catherine of Siena said that when she went to, I think it was her, and I think it might have been another saint, but I believe, anyway, there was a vision of priests in hell, and she knew they were priests by the burning of their hands because they have committed blasphemy. And I believe it's the vision of these men. Let's continue here. Uh, she Okay, the um, lesbian Buddhists switched lines, received from the extraordinary minister instead. If she is a, if she is a Buddhist... Why does she want to receive communion? I don't understand this. She obviously is a is a Buddhist. A Buddhist meaning she practices Buddhism. 
So why was it important to her to go receive communion? If she does not believe in what the church, what the gospel or what the church teaches. I could never understand this about certain people. Why would you go receive communion? You're, you know, if you obviously have embraced another faith. I know Buddhism for some people is seen as a philosophy, but for some people, it's more than just a philosophy. It's what it's who they are. It's what they believe. So why, if you ask her the question, does she believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Does she believe Jesus Christ died for her sins? Does she believe Jesus Christ rose again? Does she believe Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? Does she believe he is God? And if she says no, then why is she receiving communion? It doesn't make any sense. I could never understand people like this. I could understand. I cannot understand why they're defiant about this. It's you know it it boggles the mind. The story blew up in the media, and Cardinal World's condemnation was swift. Within days, Father Gerzon, Ger, oh, sorry. Garenzo was stripped of his priestly faculties and placed on an administrative leave, accused by the archdiocese of allegedly intimidating, intimidating behavior, while the archdiocese went out of its way to issue an apology to the lesbian. Oh my goodness, I can't believe he did that to him. I remember this. I can't believe it. I don't understand this. Why would he do this to his own priest? He was following canon law. He was doing exactly what he's supposed to do. It's that line they from the scriptures. They seek the praise of men rather than the praise of God. Unbelievable. Journ journalist Gregory Newmar... Um, Reported for for his uh, re reported, um, he criticized World for his cowardice. If Cardinal World doesn't have the guts to deny communion to a uh, to a lesbian Buddhists, he should just close up shop and hand the keys to his chancery over over to Obama. The Church's position on whether a bishop should stop sacrilege and scandal is not determined by his comfort level. Carnal Whirl, it is determined by the clear requirements of canon law. Carnal Burke has spoken. The case is closed. Either the bishop take control over their own, uh, their own sacrament or the church's enemies will. Within a week, the editor of the American Spectator, which ran the column, received complaints from Whirl's communications director. Newmar later wrote, This is pretty much what I expected. Whirl is notoriously thin-skinned about sharp criticism from Orthodox Catholics. For his part, Father Genzo def de defended himself against the Archdiocese charges, writing in a letter, I am going to defend my conduct in these instances because what happened, I believe, contains a warning to the church. There you go. This, that is absolutely right. I did the only thing a faithful Catholic, Catholic priest could do in such an awkward situation, quietly with no intention to hurt or embarrassed, em embarrass anyone. The priest continued, It seems to me the lack of clarity on this most basic issue puts at risk other priests who wish to serve the Catholic Church in Washington, D.C. Four months later, the Archdiocese clarified that um, 
Father Gonzalo was no longer engaged in active ministry there. Barbara Johnson, the lesbian at the center of the controversy, cheered the announcement, saying news of his downfall brought her great comfort. Oh, my goodness. That's so sad. Unbelievably so sad. She went on to praise Cardinal World for acting swiftly, initially, not uh, intentionally, not only to point out that his behavior was wrong and not in accordance with their policy, but then to suspend him. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's so sad. Unbelievable. This is what he went and this is what happens. It's unbelievably dark, uh, ridiculous behavior. A, de a, demand, uh, a damning Pennsylvania grand jury report revealed world protected predator priests during his time as bishop in Pittsburgh. They, well, that doesn't surprise me. Even paying hush money to a priest involved in child porn pedophilia ring. Something world has never denied. I remember this case. I remember this because George Newmar reported this. There's a photograph here showing a um, father, George Ziros, with his Cuban boyfriend. Yep. The priest, Father George Ziros, whom world transferred around to multiple parishes before finally placing him on leave, wound up in Cuba with his boyfriend, where the priest facilitated sexual traf sex trafficking for foreigners. Zuros was eventually murdered by a gay prostitute. Well, that's, uh, that's quite an end. Shot in the neck with an animal tranquilizer. Wow. His body was, fl was flown back to the States where World gave him a grand send-off with more than 20 priests at his funeral mass and a hom homily that essentially declared the priest to be in heaven. Burke, who never been linked to any such scandal, continues to travel the world defending the doctrines of the faith, most especially the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of the faith. In the face of continued attacks, the worst of which seems to come from the church's own sons, while there's no, nece there's no necessary link between the clerical abuse cover-up and rejection of Canon 915, is it any wonder that those who refuse to protect and defend the little ones, the innocents, from violation of sexual predators, would also refuse to protect and defend the innocent ones? Our Lord from violation from arguably the gravest of all injuries, sacrilege. This article originally appeared in November 10th, 2015. It has been revised and updated by Christine Niles. Wow. Unbelievable. It's sad. It really is sad that this is what we're, um, what we're facing. It's disgusting. And it's unbelievably, I mean, you see the contradictory behavior. You see the behavior of McElroy. You see the behavior of Donald Wuerl. And you see the, the, the contradictory, the constant sinful contradictory. It makes sense. So I'm going to read one more article that is going to be at least um, very hopeful. It is from Church Militant. And it's by Rodney Pelletier. And this one is, I know because I heard this earlier, I saw this on the news, and I saw this flash on my phone. October 29th, 2019, Church Militant. Catholic 
Catholics praise priests for denying Biden Holy Communion. Outpouring of support for a priest who denied communion to Joe Biden. Florence, South Carolina. Faithful Catholics are praising a South Carolina priest for denying Holy Communion to a liberal pro-abortion presidential candidate by Joe, uh, Joe Biden. On Sunday, ex-Vice President and 2020 presidential candidate Joe Biden was refused Ho Holy Communion by Father Robert Moroy when attending Mass at St. Anthony Church in Florence, South Carolina. Word spread quickly when churchgoers witnessing the event shared news of it on social media. Father Moroy responded to the, re to the reaction on social media in a press release. Sadly, this past Sunday, I had to refuse Holy Communion to former Vice President Joe Biden. Holy Communion signifies we are one with God, each other, and the church. Our actions should reflect that. Any public figure who advocates for abortion places himself or herself outside of church teaching. As a priest, it is my responsibility to minister to those souls entrusted to my care, and I must do so even in the most difficult situation. I will keep Mr. Biden in my prayers. Wow, that is fantastic. That's great. You see, I think out of all this, now that it's coming to the front line, that the spotlight on the world stage, it's, fine, it's finally forcing everyone to take a side. And I believe that in a sense, you're getting the liberals who have always been dominant and have always chosen to interpret church teachings as they like it to their own benefit. You got to remember that the USCCB the United States of Catholics, the Conference of Catholic Bishops, puts out their money. They are um, lobbyists. They receive money. Under Obama, they received millions and millions of dollars. And they run a big corporation, uh, Catholic Charities and others. They have hundreds of people working for them. And they know that, I mean, they've seen collections drop because church attendance has dropped and therefore to them they have to receive money so if they are going to receive money from the democrats who are going to give them all this millions of dollars so therefore they're going to uh put duct tape on a priest or anyone they're going to put an end they're going to remove the collar from any particular priest who dares to speak up against abortion contraception and at the same time say anything against gay marriage because that goes against them and the Democrats. The Democrats support this kind of stuff and so, th so therefore they're going to do this. They're going to they're do this. So it goes against their um, you know against what they want against their agenda. All right, going at the Biden campaign refused to comment, calling it a personal matter. Church law declares that individuals who obscenely persist in manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. 
the law declares a person who is conscious of grave sin is not to celebrate mass or receive the body of the Lord without prior sacramental confession unless a grave reason is present and there is no opportunity of confessing. In this case, the person is to be mindful of the obligation to make an act of perfect contrition including the intention of confessing as soon as possible. Canon 9.15. I don't see how Donald Wuerl or Wilton Gregory or any of the others, how they interpret this in their own minds. Catholics throughout the social media praised Father Murray, while liberal Catholics criticized him. Of course they would. Quoting Pope Francis saying, the Eucharist is not a prize for the perfect, but a powerful medicine and nourishment for the weak. If you're not going to confess, if you're not in, you're not going to be united with church moral doctrine and teaching, why is it so important for you to receive communion? Why is it so important for them? If they, if they reject all this, if they, they, it's called cafeteria Catholic. You pick and choose what you want to believe, but the church says it's wrong then why is it important to receive communion if you're not willing to change your attitude, if you're not willing to acknowledge this particular sin? It doesn't make any sense. Conservative commentators and news correspondent Jack uh, Posbiak weighed in. Christians understand that we pray for Joe Biden, that God softens, that, that God may soften his heart his heart and heart on abortion. The priest did, did not deny him communion as a punishment, but to protect him from committing grievous sacrilege by receiving the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist while in a state of mortal sin. Catholic commentator Patrick Coffin, I've heard of him, he's a good teacher, he's not a priest. Finally, a priest who loves Joe Biden enough to prevent him from committing another mortal sin. I pray Father Murray will be backed and won't have to see the un the underside of the bus. Yeah, well, that's another important thing. Catholics need to stick together. We need to show these priests support. We can't just uh, back away and think, oh, you know, it's too much trouble. No, we have to back them up when when the when the bishop comes down hard on him. Remember what how world what world did to the other uh, Garen Zo, uh, what the what the world did for them. He took away, he stripped him of his priestly um, powers. Frank Pavone, national director of Priests for Life, supports Father Murray in in the press release, saying, "I hope more priests will follow his lead by refusing the sacrament to politicians who not only support abortion." but who advocate for taxpayer funding for the murder of children. In June, Springfield, Illinois, Bishop Thomas Pabrik made a decree banning all pro-abortion Illinois politicians from receiving Holy Communion unless they publicly repent of their abortion advocacy. The Eucharist is the most sacred aspect of our Catholic faith, the bishop said in a diocesan press release. As sacred scripture warns, whoever eats unworthy of the bread and drinks from the Lord's cup makes himself guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord to support legislation that treats 
babies in the womb like property, allowing for their destruction for any reason at any time is evil. It's my hope and prayer these lawmakers reconcile themselves to the church so they can receive Holy Communion. But support for the Father Murray's enforcement of church law is not something Catholics have come to expect from a Catholic parallel. In January, Catholic New York Governor Andrew Cuomo passed one of the most pro-abortion laws in the United States. Outraged pro-life advocates and faithful Catholics demanded Cardinal Timothy Dolan excommunicate Cuomo for his abortion activism, despite being Catholic. I'm sorry, but Cardinal Tim, um, <laughs> Cardinal Dolan really gets gets to me. He's so embarrassing, that man. He makes me cringe. I've seen him on TV. He just chuckles and laughs. And he doesn't want to... I mean, he's also very vindictive. When uh, he lost the court battle over the remains of Fulton Sheen, when his niece finally won the right to take his remains back to Illinois, he had the remains removed and he didn't have the dignity of letting his remains go from the front of the church. And he did it in early morning hours so there wouldn't be any media. Fulton Sheen's remains went out on the side, and he didn't have the decency to come down in the proper vestments. He allowed a, another priest to do it. He didn't welcome... I mean, it had to be... Fulton Sheen's niece is practically in her, I think, 80s or 90s, which means she had to get up in a ridiculous hour, and he didn't have the decency to be down there. He was in bed. You know, but hey, he'll praise and God bless you if you put Shake Shack burgers and milkshake in front in front of him. And he'll just chuckle it down. He'll he'll give you a blessing for that. But he would not show respect or humiliation. I mean humility, the proper humility to to do this in a decent time. The poor woman had to get up in ridiculous hours, come down from Chicago, and they had to do it in a ridiculous time, and he didn't have the decency as a representative to come down and show his face. And if he said if he saw any media, he would stop the whole thing. So nobody, so church militant, Michael Voris and Christine Niles went there to film it, and they had to do it on the side away so they wouldn't be noticed. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I never seen... I remember a woman one time, because Cardinal uh, Dolan said, I don't, we don't make a big deal about, a, about abortion. I mean, other people make a big deal about it. And he, you know, he was speak, speaking on a Catholic radio. And a caller called up and said to him, you shouldn't have been a priest. You should have been a car salesman. You're a bad priest if you don't talk about these things. I mean, imagine that. At least you have some lay people that actually know their faith. These men are so afraid. They're so afraid of saying anything. They took a responsibility in office for their own comfort. And then there was that donation where he received a piece of property from upstate New York, a beautiful mansion that was supposed to be given to um, for seminarians um, or retired priests. And what did he do? He kept it for himself. 
and there was a beautiful swimming pool. He kept it for himself. And then there was a case of the um, of the uh, homosexual priest with his gay lover living in the uh, the rectory. And then there was a you know he was stealing money. He was in charge at least of two or three parishes, and he was stealing money. And he had a house in New Jersey, and he had a porn lover, a, a porn star lover, and he didn't do a single thing about that. The people got together and they um, they sent the case to the Vatican. And somehow he blocked it or did something where uh, he got off. Something happened. He got off and he didn't, uh, you know, he's very vindictive. He's a very vindictive person. You know, he may look like a happy, cheery, chubby guy, looks like a snowman or something, but don't be fooled by him. Um, don't be fooled. And I have a friend who was also part of a pro-life movement and they met at St. Patrick's Cathedral and Cardinal Dolan walks in. And then he says, how are we doing? And my friend spoke up and said to him, well, I think we're doing terrible. We're not doing enough to save the, to save lives of the, of the unborn. We're not doing enough to be heard. And what happened? Following month, he was, he was removed from the, uh, the pro-life group. Ridiculous. It's just sad. This is the kind of men we have. They want the appearance of it because they got to keep the appearance with their parishioners. And they got to keep the appearance for the sake of keeping the appearance because, but their intention is never to talk about it. Never to, never, never to raise, no, uh, to make noise. Never to argue with the politicians. But they got to keep the appearance with their parishioners because they think we're a bunch of idiots. That's why. They themselves don't believe in the church teaching. He, he refuses to punish um, Andrew Cuomo. He refuses to stop him from receiving Holy Communion. And he kept quiet about gay marriage in New York because he was hoping that Andrew Cuomo would pass a bill for charter schools so he, you know, he could receive some of that money, that tax money. And, you know, so for Catholics who have their tax money to take in and put into uh, public schools, they want to get the, they want to get a voucher and so that they can, you know, use that money uh, to pay, to send their kids to Catholic school. Cuomo never did it, never did. And then there was the case of the bill where they re re uh, lifted up the statute of limitations so that um, certain victims can go after the Archdiocese of New York and sue them. He was hoping, he was campaigning, that uh, Andrew Cuomo wouldn't sign the bill. And he, hate to say it, he backstabbed them again. Kept quiet about everything else, kept quiet about gay marriage, kept quiet about other matters that uh, was important, and Andrew Cuomo stabbed him in the back. He keeps playing the, po the political game, and he keeps losing it. Okay, let's go back to the article here. Um, in January, Catholic New York Governor Andrew Cuomo passed one of the most pro-abortion laws in the United States. Outraged pro-life advocates and faithful Catholics demanded Cardinal Timothy Dolan excommunicate Cuomo for his abortion activism, despite being Catholic. Dolan's representative argued excommunication should not be used as a weapon. Oh, you see what I'm saying? 
Too often I fear those who call for someone's excommunication do so out of anger or frustration, he said. Second, he added, notable canon lawyers have said that under canon law, excommunication is not an appropriate response to a politician who supports or votes for legislation advancing abortion. Pro-sodomy Jesuit Father James Martin slammed his fellow priest's defense of church law, saying the denial of Holy Communion to public supporters and promoters of abortion is a bad idea, adding, if you deny the sacrament to those who support abortion, then you must also deny it to those who support death penalty. Oh, that's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. How about those who don't help the poor? How about the papal encyclical, La Dasso Si, where does it end? Unbelievable. It's, a, it's not the same thing. They always mix apples with oranges. They don't, they don't believe. They just don't believe. None of them really believe. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. They don't believe. The reason why they don't want to excommunicate them is because they want to receive. They're hoping that when a Democrat takes the, the White House again, they're hoping to receive that, that money that government grant that they're hoping that, that because they're desperate because they're no longer uh Timothy Dolan had a campaign he wanted to raise a lot of money and his plan was to squeeze it out of um baby boomers a lot of baby boomers are retiring and he knows a lot of them have money and his hope was he was telling his priest, this was reported by Church Militant, to go out there and shake them up for their money. Tell them that how much of a service they'll be doing for God if they give donate their money or leave it in their will to the to the archdiocese. But they also know a lot of the, a lot of them are dying. And in a few years a lot of them won't be around. Which is why the USCCB has aligned itself with the Democratic Party very close relationship with the Democratic Party, which is why a lot of them are for, what the church is for, immigration. Because they're hoping that the new immigrants, especially from the South America, will come in and replace the European uh, descendants that are no longer attending church or have strayed away from the church, no longer call themselves Catholic. But they don't realize that as quickly as people stop attending church of European descent, so do the Latinos leave the church when they have a moral problem with church teaching. They go join the Pentecostals. They, join, they go join the ev uh, Evangelicals. They go join the, uh, the, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Seventh-day Adventists. They don't stay Catholic because wherever they feel they're not getting, the, the, getting God, and they're going to start looking at the Catholic Church and start thinking to themselves, this is not a church. I don't believe the way this church is. They're going to leave. They leave just as fast. It's sad. It really is. It's ridiculously sad. So what we have to do is, we, I think we have to create a whole new Catholic culture. We have to su start supporting the bishops who are going to um, give us more orthodox teaching. Um, I do believe we're going to start seeing more, more of a Latin mass communities showing up because it's often been said, John Henry Weston from LifeSite News said that 
he finds that Catholics who attend the Latin Rite, that is, go to the Latin Mass, the Trinitine Mass, are more knowledgeable of their faith, are more knowledgeable about church teaching, about uh, the Summa Theologica of Thomas Aquinas, that there is a much more deeper Catholic culture and Catholic life. And I think that's something we have to start looking into. Um, what happens when we start seeing female deacons? What happens when, you know, when people can't receive communion? Not, because that means the bishop of that particular diocese is in rebellion against the church because many popes have said that they can, that women can't be ordained and the diaconate is not for women. And and what happens? What happens now that Pope Francis, if Pope Francis signs that document, what happens to the church? Because I do believe you're going to see the split and you're going to see certain communities, the church is going to die, is going to slowly dwindle, and certain other communities are going to rise up, but they're going to be very, very restricted because... It's going to be a much more thinner community, but it would, the, the noticeability of the schism is going to show if that happens, if Pope Francis goes ahead and does it. That's about it. That's, you know, we, we have to start praying the rosary. I think we should stick to the three original mysteries, the joyful mystery, the, um, the sorrowful mystery and the glorious mystery. I think that because of the fact that the Fatima apparitions at the time, those were the mysteries that were included. And I think because if you add up all the Hail Marys with all those three sets of mysteries, it adds up to 150, which is exactly what is in the book of Psalms. And we'll talk more about the mysteries of the rosary another time. But I'm sorry to say, I don't think, um, I think we're going to see... We're going to see it. It's going to be a very visible. It'll be a silent schism till it finally no longer is silent. And we're going to see it. I don't know what, 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 what our Lord has in plan. But I hope Pope Francis doesn't sign that document. I hope to God he doesn't do it. And if he does, that means Christ does have a plan to save his church in some way. I don't know how where we're going to go because we can't read... The divine will. So I'm going to close it with a prayer to Christ the King. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. O Christ Jesus, I acknowledge thee, King of the universe. All that has been created has been created for thee. Exercise over me all thy sovereign rights. I renew the promises of my baptism. I renounce Satan and all his works and all his pomps. And I promise to live a good Christian life and to do all in my power to procure the triumph of the rights of God and thy church. Divine heart of Jesus, I offer thee my poor efforts in order to obtain that all hearts may acknowledge thy, thy sacred royalty. And that thus the kingdom of thy, of thy peace may be established throughout the universe. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, now and forever. Amen.
Praise Christ. We'll meet again.